Johnny Erickson Tata remembers a time in her marriage to her husband, Ken, when both of them were starting to drift farther and farther apart. I was fearful that I was making Ken depressed. My disability was depressing my husband. And so I would be very careful to take care of as many routines as I could possibly do before he came home from school so that I would not have to walk on eggshells and ask him to do anything for me because I knew that asking too much of Ken would plummet him into depression. And for a long time, it was this strange tap dance that we both played where we had to negotiate these spaces. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. We'll hear today what Johnny and Ken Tata did when they realized they were drifting apart in marriage. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. You know, I, I've been thinking about, I, I have a son who just proposed uh, to his girlfriend. They're going to get married soon. And I was thinking, if I could sit them down with anybody for a little premarital counseling, a couple that could give them the, the benefits of great experience and theological understanding. You really had thought of me. Um, you were on the list. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. But, but I know who's in the studio, you Bob. You were underneath our guest today. So Way underneath I, I the guest. I just thought, would it be okay if we got some premarital counseling for John and Katie from from our guests? Just let them... They've written this book. Tell them about the book that they've written. Well, this book is called Johnny and Ken, an untold love story. So they need to hear a love story. And, and but the this, one that's gone thirty years, and and that plus. has gone through some rocky times. Some, <laughs> yeah, a few, a few, that's no right. doubt about it. I just thought, I wonder what counsel they would give to a couple just getting started on the front end of the journey. Well, let's ask them. Uh, Ken and Johnny Erickson Tata join us again on Family Life today. Ken, Johnny, welcome back. Absolutely, you, good Thanks, to Bob. be back. I know Ken would like to teach your son how to fly fly fish. <laughs> fly fish. I don't know if Ken ties the flies. Now, yes, but, but, but would that help his marriage if he learned how to fly fish? <laughs> could, but don't do it the first year. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what? I had I had Ken's best man tell me on our wedding day. He drew me aside, whispered in my ear, "Let your husband keep his dreams." And I didn't know what he meant at the time, hmm. but of course, this whole fly fishing thing about which we joke is really important, I think, for guys to have that space, to have those times of connection with other men. And Johnny's been my biggest supporter during that whole time. Not that I abuse it, but she knows that I need to have time with guys. Oh, yeah. You know how you abuse it, don't you? We're huh. driving down the freeway and he'll say, hey, this is a Jaguar that just drove by. <laughs> Johnny, can I have a Jaguar? <laughs> no, of course not. And then, of course, that sets me up for, oh, then you'll give me the fishing reel. <laughs> okay, no, yeah, I, I, know, well, I know what you're up to. It took 30 years, but, you know, you, you start high and you aim lower. <laughs> and, and asking for a, a brand-new Jaguar convertible Obviously, I'm not going that direction, but a new fly rod, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, there you go. All right, <laughs> so let's go back go. to Bob's question here. Let's, <laughs> let's put it on the line here, and let's go back to your honeymoon to talk about some of the most important lessons you started out your marriage learning. Well, the one lesson we learned, as um, I think Johnny and I have said before, but uh, you know, we had friends who told us to go out and, and uh, experiment and... We decided no. We move, want, move in with each other. 
Well, pretty much. Yeah. For the weekend. Just to try it out for the weekend, for a couple of weekends. And and the reason is? Because, you know, with a disability, it was a little bit different than perhaps with an able-bodied person. Expediency. and just to see, you know, whether or not it would work? fit. Yeah. See, I, I hear that story, and I'm just imagining in my head you guys going off for a weekend, and then you going, "Oh, I guess it's not going to work." Well, what? Where's the Hello? commitment? Yes. Yeah. What? Is, what? I mean, how do you break that news to somebody? I'm out of here because this part doesn't work. Well, guess what? You you may have seasons where that part of your relationship doesn't work. Exactly. And exactly. you better figure out how to love one another in the midst of those seasons. Absolutely, which is why uh, even before we got engaged and even during our engagement, there was no experimenting, there was no testing, let's try this out, you know, how's this going to fly? Uh, we went into our marriage with our conscience tender and intact, uh, with no violation of our convictions. And as Ken has often said, it, of course, it made our honeymoon a little like Handicap Awareness Week, <laughs> but that was okay. Well, let's talk about that for a second, what, what that was like, because you write about it in your book. And I wouldn't ask this question if you hadn't put this in print, all right? No, there's nothing we wouldn't discuss. I mean, I think we're, we're pretty well open I with everything. It, I put it delicately in print, though, Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as we'll, delicately as I could. And we can stay delicate right here. <laughs> stay delicate, too. But you're, you're, you're a quadriplegic, for those who don't know your story. Uh, you had an accident when you were 17 years old, and... Um, you had a great fear going into this marriage that he was going to find out what it meant to care for someone who was so helpless. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's talk about the brass tacks. Ken and I went off on our honeymoon, and we took two friends, two girlfriends of mine, uh, who stayed at a different hotel down the beach. But they would come up during the mornings and evenings and kind of like educate Ken on my routines. Uh, not to, you know, throw everything at him at once, but just to kind of get his feet wet. Uh, this is what it means for Johnny to get up in the morning, bed, bath, exercising her legs, and then those toileting routines. Well, I had to do a particular toileting routine in the evening, and um, I don't know how to say this. Ken had to help carry me to the bathroom, and I, I, I didn't make it. And, and And when that happened... I mean, it's it's funny. I, I choke up talking about it now, thirty years later, and yet it's such a, it's so long ago and far away. But I was the young girl. I wanted everything to be perfect. I wanted my mar- I wanted my husband to have uh, great illusions of me, and hmm. and we're gonna ma- and this is gonna be wonderful. Oh, everything yeah. is so romantic, and and yet I remember that first night, lying in bed after the lights were out and all was quiet, and I fought back the tears. Hmm. Oh God. This man, you're going to have to give him grace. You're just going to have to, you have to give him grace because I, I don't know that even I have the grace. But help him through this, Lord. You can do this. Help him through this. And it was a desperate cry of a, of a very young bride. But I'm so glad God answered because things did not get easier in our ensuing life together. There were even greater challenges. But at every turn, I saw God's grace show up in my husband's life. That was huge. I, I just want to make sure that what was demonstrated here is, is clear from a biblical standpoint. First uh, John 4 says, perfect love casts out all fear. Johnny, as a young bride, you were fearful that the man who would know you best wouldn't love you the most. And that pivotal point of Ken pressing on and through 
really was a part of the perfect love that began to cast out fear in your life. Absolutely. And and you know what gave me confidence during the rest of our honeymoon and even after we flew back home and got into our daily routines? What gave me confidence is that God would give Ken grace because we honored God and did an experiment beforehand. He didn't know anything about my toileting routines beforehand. Mm-hmm. He didn't understand anything about a bed bath and the and the the, the rudimentary mechanics of of, of physical intimacy with a quadriplegic we we didn't experience we didn't go down that road and so i had confidence as a young bride god i know you Hmm. i've seen the way you work you're going to honor this i know you and you're going to honor this in this man and he has 30 years later i can look at my husband and he's no paragon of virtue but boy he comes pretty close in my eyes (laughs) and and he and god has honored his own commitment uh, to our marriage, which is huge. Ken, you, you went into marriage with your eyes wide open. You knew what you were signing up for at some level, just at like every level. husband yes. at some level knows what he's getting into. But we also have this romanticized vision. You undoubtedly had kind of some romantic stars in your eyes that over the first few weeks, months, years of marriage, you went, I hadn't really thought about this being forever. Sure. The reality starts to set in, obviously, you know, when we first get married, we have the stars in our eyes and maybe, you know, we don't look at things as clearly as we do as time kind of has a tendency to do that. And um, just in answering that question, tell about your first date, what you had to do on your first date. uh, Well, that's a funny part. I just before I get to that part, Dennis, though, I do want to say that on a serious note, I think the sustaining grace for both Johnny and I, is that we love Jesus, you know, and, and, you know, Bob, you were asking about your son. I mean, the key in, in, in this marriage has been that we both love Jesus, and we want to honor him. And um, as we both have said oftentimes, uh, we just want to finish well. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in the later part of it, we're closer to it, this side of eternity than we were you know, when we first got started here as in our marriage, and I think both Johnny and I just feel that that that's that's one of the the real keys. But we talk about that all the time. We talk about not doing anything to make Jesus ashamed of us. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful goal. Do you remember though a time early on when you thought to yourself, "I I didn't realize I'd signed up for this." Oh yeah, yeah. The, there was a, a year into our marriage, and, and uh, the 24-7, the routines became tiring. And, uh, you know, I, I felt guilty, but I was feeling trapped, and I didn't know how to tell Johnny how to communicate that with her. And one night, I just got to a point where I, I, I needed to share it with her because it was, you know, it was obviously something I was holding inside, and she knew something was going on. So I sat there with Johnny, and I said, you know, Johnny, I, I love you, but... I'm feeling trapped, and and uh, that was the I think the the big turning point for us that we could start having an honest conversation. Yeah, well, my my response at that point wasn't. I'm ashamed to say it wasn't helpful at all. I I I, re- I remember Ken saying that he was trapped, and I felt like you're trapped. Well, didn't you realize this when we got married? Didn't you know it was going to be this hard? Didn't you understand you were marrying a quadriplegic? Where was your where was your head? And it's like I, I I couldn't believe I said those things even as I said them and right right away, as he was still still sitting on the edge of the bed I said oh Ken Ken I, I I didn't mean to say that that's not like me that's not like me at all honestly. 
But the Holy Spirit was whispering to me, Johnny, that is like you. Hmm. That's just like you. So, so don't let sin deceive you. There's a lot of things in this marriage that I'm going to use to change you, transform you, you and Ken. I'm going to use your quadriplegia in this marriage, this 24-7 routine that he finds so depressing to squeeze you both like a lemon. And out is going to come some not-so-pretty things, some very ugly things, but things that need to be confessed, brought into the light, confessed and redeemed, and then move forward. And now I've got a husband to... Because we've done that, because we've, you know, confessed to one another our sins and shortcomings, and also before God, I've got a husband who, who just affirms so many good things in my life that, that I, I want to live up to his expectations. I, I, I don't want to disappoint him. I, I want to do everything not to shame his good name in my marriage. And then that's, that's, that's growth. There are times in every marriage after the honeymoon, in fact, there are seasons that occur where you move into a bit of a, of a valley, and obviously your marriage started in one and has continued on in one, but you, but you move into something where there's, you describe in your book as negotiated spaces and demilitarized zones in your relationship. You guys had a plateau. You, you, you kind of had we a ceasefire. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it was those middle years where um, Johnny was going to the ministry, and you know I was teaching high school, and uh, basically, you know, we were living together but separate lives, parallel lives. Not that our marriage was bad; it just, you know, I was occupied with what I was doing as a as a high school teacher, and and Johnny was occupied in in, in the ministry. And um, you know we we would travel on the during the summers, so we, you know we, I mean we, there were a lot of connections, but during those uh, school days, I mean I don't I don't think we spent the kind of time that that you were teaching at the time. I was teaching high school, yes. And and I I was fearful that I was making Ken depressed. My disability was depressing my husband, and so I would be very careful to take care of as many routines as I could possibly do before he came home from school so that I would not have to walk on eggshells and ask him to do anything for me that might encroach on his um, emotions because I knew that asking too much of Ken would plummet him into depression. And for a long time, it was this strange tap dance that we both played where we had to negotiate these spaces. And uh, But through it all, through it all, we both recognized we were doing this and we didn't want to live this way. And so we prayed and prayed together and prayed separately that God would help move us beyond these, this, this emotional fog that we were in to help us um, see the possibilities in our marriage that were ahead on the horizon. I think the other thing that, that happened during that time, Johnny, was, you know, I, especially this is earlier in our marriage, but because of your notoriety, people would recognize you when we were in public. And one of the things that was really hard that, you know, we look back on it now, was we'd go to church and there'd be a line of people half an hour long that would want to speak to you. And uh, I was finding my, you know, if I had a, a self-image 
problem it was healed when I went to school because <laughs> you know that was my classroom that was my those were my students when I was you know in in Burbank you know those were people recognized me you know and you know not that I needed it but it was just that self-assurance that affirmation I was getting through what I was doing that that I think there was a balance there yeah and to help move my husband past that let's go to a different church let's get out of this big church let's go to some small little church and so we started going to a small, very little church, just a few miles from our house. We, uh-huh. we stopped going to the big mega church where everybody knew me. You know, just trying to find ways as a wife to make it easier and uh, finding that those um, negotiated spaces became smaller and smaller to the point where um, we both were in it together. We weren't adversarial. We weren't on parallel tracks anymore. We were, we were on the same track. Took a while to get there. But we did. Did you feel invisible for a, a long period of time? Well, that's a great description of exactly what I was feeling. You know, I mean, people would, we would stand in the crowd, and I would stand next to Johnny, and nobody would want to talk to me. Yeah. But Johnny was been so good about bringing me into the conversation. You know, she would stop them and say, you know, I want to introduce you to my husband. Mm. He's standing right here. Mm. And she realized that from that standpoint that, that uh, you know, I needed that, at least in the, those early years, that I, we were a couple. And, um, you know, I think over the years it's gotten to the point where there are more people that recognize us as a couple, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been an issue. It actually has been kind of a benefit that, that I think for the both of us that uh, we are recognized in a ministry for couples. Well, in those, in those early years where you were struggling with your self-image, those were the same times I, w- I was struggling with my self-image. I mean, I'd hear him on the phone with all his his buddies talk about all kinds of things that he wouldn't talk about with me, and I'd hear him hang up the phone saying, love you, buddy. And it was like, oh, gee, I don't hear that tone of voice with me. You know, and I remember being no, so... No, no, wait a second. <laughs> no. I, I, I I'm felt- going the... Johnny Erickson Tata could could have a pity party? Really? Oh my goodness, in the early years of my marriage, when I would hear him on the phone with Jan or Pete, and, you know, <laughs> I'd be so jealous of his tone of voice with his guy friends. But, okay, later on in the marriage, as we're praying, as I'm seeking God, how can I get my husband out of depression? Boing, this light bulb went off in my head, and I realized he needs his guy friends. Don't be jealous of them, Johnny. Yeah. Put huh. put put him in their camp. Wow! And so, huh. I began encouraging Ken. You know, your 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 buddy Jan's been asking you to go fly fishing. Please, really, why don't you go fly fishing? Get away from the tuna boats. You gaff tuna, blood on the decks, guys with big bellies and cans of beer, cursing profanity. Get get away from that. Go fly fishing. It's more refined. You're going to enjoy it. And I mean, I was the one who kind of pushed him. Not so much because I wanted to get him away from the tuna boats, but I. I knew that if he was with his Christian guy friends, that it would be invigorating, that he would get a validation as a man from other men that would help him uh-huh. and help our marriage. And I think that was one of the best moves I made to help you up and out of your depression. Johnny was the instrumental tool for getting me into fly fishing. I mean, I really didn't at the time want to go fly fishing. I didn't want another sport. But she said, no, you ought to go. And more than the fly fishing, I have a friend. We have a ministry to men. We use fly fishing as kind of like the, uh, 
The bait. The bait, exactly. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it gives guys a chance to get their hearts back. Yeah. And we talk about all kinds of things. Uh, we use John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart. But, but you got your heart back. But I got my heart back. And that's what I, I, I mean, Johnny is a big supporter of what I do there. But one of the things that happened was, you know, a little exercise that we had was go out and try to hear what God had to say to us. The first time I did this, I didn't hear a thing. Two years later, I, I can tell you exactly where I was on a fly fishing trip, and the gentleman said, you know, take this afternoon, go out and try to hear God's voice. That afternoon, I heard God say to me, not in an audible voice, but I heard him say, Johnny's the most important gift I've given you. You take care of her. And in your book, you talk about when he came back from that trip, he you stood, saw it in his eyes. Oh, my goodness. He stood in the bedroom and said, Johnny, you're never going to believe what uh, God said to me. He shoved his hands in his pockets and rocked back and forth on his heels and said, God said that you're the most precious gift, and I'm to take care of you, and I'm going to do it. It was like a breath of fresh air had just blown through our bedroom. It was like the fog of depression is lifting. I can see the sun, the clouds, there's hope. My husband likes me. He wants to take care of me for the sake of Christ. And, and I, I began to see all my prayers answered, or at least beginning to get answers. And, and now, even back then, when his buddies call the house, and I get them on the phone before I hand it over to Ken, Jan, God bless you. Sir, I don't know what you're doing in my husband's life. Keep it up. I know you're memorizing scripture. I know you're doing some new Jerry Bridges Bible study together on the phone. Keep it up. I love it. You're going in the right direction. I mean, I'm thanking Pete. I'm thanking Chris. I'm thanking Jan. All these guys that I used to be jealous of, huh. they're the best because they, they, they help my husband um, be the man that he can be. And that story occurred, what I want our listeners to hear, 21 years into your marriage. And the next time you go out with Pete and Jan and Chris, we've got we've got a resource for you to take with you, a, a Bible study for guys called Stepping Up, based on Dennis's book by that title. It's a video resource, and, uh, and it'll spark some great discussion with you and the guys. Okay? Great. Thank you, Bob. One last story, Johnny. This one's for you. Um, you battled cancer. You went through uh, chemotherapy, and in the process of going through that, uh, uh, fell prey to pneumonia and you had a moment in the midst of that that was pretty grim and you had an encounter your own encounter when God spoke to you would you share with our listeners that story I, I think that was is incredibly powerful well as a quadriplegic I'm susceptible to things like pneumonia I have extremely limited lung capacity I had to be in the hospital for nine or ten days and my husband bless his heart uh, made a little cot out of a couple of plastic chairs and he he slept by my bedside, and um, instead of me having to be intubated, uh, Ken got up every night, would, would cough me, pound on my chest. And uh, one night, I was so exhausted. I had so flattened out emotionally. I was crying out to God. I had no physical ability. My lungs were gurgling. I, I could hardly breathe. I felt like I was drowning. And I just didn't want to have to get my husband up another time. And I, I remember saying, Lord Jesus, I, I need you. I need to see you tonight. I just need to feel your touch. I need to feel your hand on my head. I need to, I, I need you. And I fell into a sleep, and then when I woke up with the gurgling and needed to be coughed again, 
Ken came over to my hospital bedside, and as he began to lift me up, I looked at him wide-eyed, and I said, you're him. Oh my goodness, you're him. And, 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 and Jesus visited me that night through my husband. I felt his hand on my forehead, and it was the touch of Jesus. I felt him push on my abdomen, and it was the strength of Jesus. I felt him pound on my back to give me air, and it was Jesus, the breath of life. I, everything about my husband was Jesus. I said to Ken, you're him. God, Jesus showed up, and you're him. And it was such a beautiful revelation of how how God can answer prayer, the prayers that are desperate and, and, and show up best through them. And uh, that was a beautiful moment. Hmm. You know, um, we've talked a lot about cancer, and we've talked a lot about quadriplegia. I'm going to confess to you those things are a cinch compared to the daily grind of pain that I deal with. And, um, you know, through my PET scans, a couple more years, maybe I'll be declared cancer-free. Things are looking hopeful. Uh, my quadriplegia, mm, I kind of know that route, but boy, the daily grind of pain is so hard. And my husband, uh, a couple of weeks ago, did a beautiful thing. Uh, before he saw me head out the door, he could see the look in my eyes that I was going to have a very painful day. And so he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he quick ran, got a stickum, and etched on it a big C and put it over my heart, slapped it right over my heart. I said, there you go, Johnny, you got courage, and you're going to rise to that challenge. And I think what I love best about my husband is that he can find the infinitesimally small Christ-like characteristics in my life. He can find them, pick them out, and affirm them. And he can water them and nurture them with, with, with actions such as he did with that stick em on my chest. Um, he believes that I can be courageous. And I don't want to disappoint my wonderful husband. I want, to be, I want to be courageous in Christ for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. And... Uh, that is honestly how I got through, get through the toughest days of my pain. You both are courageous. And uh, recently I did a little Bible study in Joshua 1. Hmm. Three places where courage comes from. God's mission, being obedient to God's word, and third, practicing his presence. And as I'm watching your lives as a couple, you're on mission. You're on task as a couple. You're about the glory of God and running the race to finish it well. Secondly, you've both been obedient. You've kept your covenant. You're not only still married, you're loving each other. And third, you're practicing the presence of God, whether it be fly fishing or whether it be flat on your back in a hospital room battling pneumonia. You're experiencing the presence of God and uh, you're bringing a lot of hope to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. May God's favor be upon this book and you guys as you go forward. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Dennis and Bob. Yeah, we love you guys and uh, hope folks will get a copy of your book. It's called Johnny and Ken, An Untold Love Story, 30 Years of Marriage. Uh, as you guys peel back the veneer and show us uh, what real marriage is all about. Uh, and I hope listeners will go online at familylifetoday.com to order a copy. Again, the website is familylifetoday.com, or you can call to request a copy of the book, Johnny and Ken, An Untold Love Story. Call 1-800-358-6329. 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. Don't forget the title of the book, Johnny and Ken, An Untold Love Story, and uh, we'd love to get a copy to you. 
And we hope you have a great weekend. Hope you and your family are able to worship together this weekend. And I hope you can join us back on Monday when we're going to talk with Laura Petherbridge about some of the challenges that stepmoms face. Ron Deal will be here with us as well. And I hope it works out for you to be here. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back Monday for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.